Hey everyone, David Bowden here. Before we start the show, we have a special announcement from the team here at Spoken Gospel. As we approach our summer film block, we're filming our final introductions for our whole project on the Bible, including books of the Bible like the book of Revelation and Chronicles, and it's going to be an amazing time. And we are almost finished funding our need for this film block, and we have about $30,000 left to cross the finish line. And we are asking you, our podcast listeners, to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show. When Jesus steps on the scene, that does signal a change of God's heart. 400 years of divine silence oh, sure. has happened after the book of Malachi. Yeah. God is going to escalate his plans to forgive his people's sins by sending himself in the form of his son mm. to die on behalf of their sins. There is a sense in which God's heart is changing towards his children. He wants to offer the final sacrifice mm. for sins for the whole world, and it's time for it to happen yeah. now. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are continuing our look at the book of Malachi. And last week we talked about the three arguments that God brings to the people that they didn't know that he loved them and yes. they weren't honoring him and they were intermarrying and trusting in false gods. Uh, yep. What do we need to get in our head to prepare us for today? And yeah. what are we going to cover today, Seth? Well, what's really interesting about the back half of the book of Malachi is it starts with the problem of evil. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah it's here we like, go. Yeah, so, I mean, which is kind of connected to what we said before. If God loves us, why doesn't it look like it? Oh, right. And That's we have the other side of that argument. It says, hey, bad people keep getting away with evil events. So doesn't that mean God must approve of evil? If uh, bad people keep succeeding, then God must not care about morality. Right. So why should we follow him? or be faithful to him if God's clearly so capricious with who gets his benefits and who doesn't. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so they say that, make that argument twice. Okay. So we're talking about the problem of evil today. A In a way, bit. yes. A okay. And the way that's resolved, interestingly, uh -huh. is in a coming messenger, which yeah. we okay. will, <laughs> a coming messenger who will deliver a message and that messenger will be John the Baptist. What? So, <laughs> what? Okay, no, no, let me just say something. Yes. No one I've no one has ever said to me the problem of evil is solved by John the Baptist. Can I just <laughs> can I just name that? So, you've got some work cut out for you. Uh, especially um, because most of my master's work was in the problem of evil. So Oh, and you never came across the John the Baptist. I, you know, I never did. It was evil? it was more philosophical, I think, than uh than yeah, than John um, the Baptist. So, all right. Help me out. Reminder. 
Malachi, we don't know exactly when it was written, but we know it was after the rebuilding of the temple. That's right. After Nehemiah's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the temple has once again fallen in disrepair. People aren't being faithful. People are being faithful. They're offering bad sacrifices on the altar, animals with blemishes, things like that. And therefore, the land has also fallen into disrepair right. because God's not blessing it because right. the people have broken the covenant. And this vicious cycle has become as God continues to be faithful to the covenant and not bless the land when his people are not honoring him. They're like, God must not love us, and therefore continue to defame the covenant. That's right. And then also we talked about the Levites yes. being um, the kind of center of God's argumentative target here, that they are responsible for blemishing the covenant. Yeah, they have failed to offer God right sacrifices, Yeah, and by doing so, they have taught the nation to dishonor God as okay. well. And they've been under threat of not being included in mm-hmm. the new kingdom yeah. and having poop smeared on their face. If you, yes. if this is the first <laughs> podcast you're listening to, yes. you're going to have to go back to see what we're talking about yeah. there. Okay. Uh, Did that appropriately catch us up for that today? Is, that has caught us up. Okay. That has caught us up. All right. Then um, continue, good sir, with your ridiculous theory. Um, well, let me <laughs> read to you what God says oh, okay. in chapter 2, verse 17. Okay. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Oh, boy. I hope and that's never said of me. I was like, God's really <laughs> tired of you talking. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's terrifying. Okay. Well, maybe this is helpful to remind everybody of the book of Malachi is set up in a series of six arguments. Right. Where God says something, yep. the people question the legitimacy of God's claim, and then God proves that he's right. Right. So the first one was, I have loved you. And right. they say, how have you loved us? And then he talks about how he chose them. No, the second one was, uh, you've not honored me. The second one was, you have not honored me. And they said, how have we not honored you? By offering polluted sacrifices. And yep. now here it's, you have wearied me with your words. How have we wearied him? And then this is what he says. Because you say, everyone who does evil is good in the eyes of the Lord. And God delights in them. And you keep asking, where is the God of justice? Ah. So, and it's interesting to think about the priests being the one who say this. If the priests are supposed to teach the people how to honor God, but if the priests are also the ones leading the people into skepticism of God's faithfulness and God's justice, this is a pretty serious situation. Like God has let this evil person prosper, this evil person prosper, this evil kingdom come to power, this evil kingdom come to power. And we, the people of God, faithfully offering sacrifices this whole time, nothing's happening to us. Isn't it clear that God doesn't love the least of these doesn't mm. isn't it clear that God only prefers the powerful and that and the evil, evil is actually good in God's eyes? That's right. Yeah. So that's that's the claim. And, and so that, God's like, you're wearying me with those words. It's like that's that's a, an old argument, and I'm tired of hearing it. Yeah, it's just I'm tired of hearing lies. It's not true. Yes. Yeah. And this this is and this, so he's like, here, here's how I'll prove that's wrong. I will send a messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Whoa. So I'm going to send a messenger, a Malachi. Remember, Malachi means my messenger. Right. I'm going to send a Malachi. Another Malachi. Another Malachi. And he's going to prepare the way for me to come. I will come after my messenger comes. Me, myself, God, myself will come to Israel after my messenger comes. Okay. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to the temple. Oh, you've been defiling it. You've been doing all these things. The Lord will come to the temple along with the messenger of this covenant. Behold, this day of the Lord is coming. Okay, here's how you know the problem of evil is going to be solved. A messenger is going to come and I'm going to show up to your temple with that messenger. Yeah, 
that's that's the start of what he's gonna do. <laughs> okay, do you want me to take a stab at what's going on? Yeah, here sure. In the go. dark. What? Yeah, two verses in. Let's go. Okay, here's what I'm thinking: mm-hmm. is okay. God doesn't care about us. Clearly, all the evil people in the world are getting all his blessings, and we who are actually trying to keep his covenant, mm-hmm. we're getting all the curses. Mm-hmm. He must not care for us. And he's like, "Oh no, I'll show you that I actually do care for you by coming to you." Um, is that it? No. Uh, yes, that is part, part of, it. of it. Okay. But I think because they're accusing God of being unjust. Oh. He's saying, "Okay, you want a God of justice? I'm coming." I'll come to your temple. Oh, so this is scary. Yes. This is not like a, hey, I'll come hang out with you guys. I'll come to your temple as the God of justice, like you requested. And And this is after he told them that the temple's been polluted. They polluted, not honored. Like God, the king is not honored. (laughs) So it's like this. If you want to go to justice, I will show up as only that for you. If that's really what you want. And then he says this, but who will endure on that day? Right. Who can stand when I appear? I, but also he, meaning the messenger, because they're Mm. both at the same time. The messenger and me will be like a refiner's fire and like Fuller's soap. Is that a brand of soap? (laughs) Yeah. Fuller's, try Fuller's soap. (laughs) It's the old Hebrew soap. There's like, there's like ads all over ancient Israel for Fuller's soap. It's It's the soap. It's like for men. (laughs) Yeah, like dove for men. Yeah, Fuller's soap was how you bleached clothes back oh, okay. in the day. So it made, it made them pure. So it he's going to come and he's going to be a refining fire and a purifying, and a purifying soap. soap. Yep. Okay, uh, so he, yeah, not the kind of cushy no. visit from God I thought he was going to do. <laughs> no, but remember, this tracks with what he said before. I'm going to come to the house of Levi and mm-hmm. cleanse it of all uh, of its bad actors. Right. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And then, after I've refined them, they will bring offerings in righteousness once again to the Lord. Okay. And then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing the Lord in the, as in the days of old and as in the former years. Mm. So there's going to be a messenger who comes along with God himself. And he's going to cleanse the priesthood. And once he cleanses the priesthood, they're going to be able to offer a sacrifice just like they did in the past, and God will cleanse his people of their sins. Okay. That's what's going to happen. Okay, so let me let me try. Yeah. Let me give it a try here. So the people of Israel are wearing God out, in a sense, mm-hmm. if God can be worn out. I, yeah. <laughs> I know that's like some metaphor there. but God they, says he can be wearied, so... So we'll just give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it to him. God can describe himself however, however he, he wants. Like. <laughs> okay, I'll get out of the way. Uh and but the people are saying that God loves evil mm-hmm. and hates them, basically. Mm-hmm. God is not a God of true justice. God's not a God of true justice. And he's like, Okay, I will come as a God of true justice, but that justice is going to come against you, especially you at the temple, mm-hmm. because you're offering wrong sacrifices. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna come and just destroy you mm-hmm. i'm going to come as a refining fire and as fuller's brand soap yeah and, <laughs> and i'm going to cleanse you like the levites should have done all along mm-hmm. and once that's done right and true good offerings will be brought to the temple once again yes and okay. in particular here uh-huh. the levites the priestly order of the levites will be cleansed levites can offer uh, a sacrifice on behalf of the people that will cleanse them from sin okay i missed that okay that's that's the that's, that's the good. really fascinatingly important okay. thing for us to keep in mind. Wait, why is that so important? Well, because of John the Baptist. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So let me, let's just skip to the end of this, of chapter three, okay. verse 13, where the same argument is made again. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. This is the, the sixth argument. And we say, how have we spoken <laughs> against you? 
And you keep saying it's vain to serve God. What's interesting about this is that phrase, you've been hard against me. It's that same word grumbling that was used Uh, in the wilderness wanderings. What's happening here is how have we rebelled against you? God's claiming they've rebelled against his authority. How have we rebelled against you? And he says, because you keep saying it's vain to serve me. Mm. You're saying my laws are pointless in following. Whoa. Because you think that I only reward evil people. So you don't believe my laws are just anymore. That is tantamount to rebellion. So have at it. Be be that way then. (laughs) He like, I'll refine you is the the point. Like I'm going to refine people who have totally rejected my laws in that way. I will refine. Okay. What's interesting here, he says, the people say, and now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. The same thing they claimed God was doing in the first argument. Yeah. You call evil good. Now they're saying, so now we call evil good. Oh. You haven't done it, so now we will. Mm. Evil is good. Do whatever you want. Do whatever's right in your own eyes. God's laws aren't worth following. They don't return on investment the way that we need them to. I see. Okay. Are you saying then that the ceremonial unrighteousness that's occurring in the temple is becoming a moral unrighteousness in lived experience? Like people are actually becoming the bad apples like in real life? Like, well, I guess if God's not accepting our, what we thought were decent offerings at the temple, we might as well live however we want. I think they're all connected Mm -hmm. because... They don't believe that God loves them, so they don't see a compelling reason to obey him. Um, They look at their life and see as if evil and wicked people are always prospering. Therefore, God must not be a God worth following if this is the kind of universe God wants to run. Yeah. Therefore, following God's laws are pointless. Right. God's not a king worth following, so we'll abandon this covenant. And God says, my messenger is going to come in preparation for me, and everybody who thinks this way about me will not be a part of my coming kingdom. You're not You're not kingdom people. You don't believe in the laws of the king. You don't believe in the, law, the laws that I set. You don't believe in my wisdom. You won't be a part of this kingdom. I will mm. purify both the priesthood and the people of people like this. But importantly, to go back to what you said, mm-hmm. is it's the Levite yes. that will do this. The Levites that, that will. God is going to create a pure Levite, Mm-hmm. Le- Levitical priesthood yeah, 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 yeah. to do this work. Yes, that's okay, right. Okay, that's where that's I'm right. still scratching yes. my head. Because I just, I'm like, oh, cool, Jesus does that. Yes, Jesus does do it, but not in the way that you expect. Um, so let me make one more stop before we get to Jesus. Let's go to Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, where he says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet mm-hmm. before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So now we have a name associated with the messenger that was prophesied in chapter 3, verse 1. His name will be Elijah, or somebody like Elijah. A a new Elijah. Uh, A new Elijah. And remember, as we said in the first podcast, Malachi acts as a summary of the prophetic books of the Bible. And so Elijah is a summary of the message of the prophets, in a sense. He is the one. The father of the prophets. That's right. That's right. So he represents all prophet-like people. Uh So the messenger will be an Elijah-like figure. Okay. And he will come before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with utter destruction. So that's the way the book ends. Okay. Now, the next time we hear that verse is in the book of Luke. Yeah. Luke chapter one, when the angel Gabriel shows up to Zechariah 
a Levite, mm. a priest offering sacrifices in God's house. Many people think Zechariah was uh, the high priest mm-hmm. during that time. Right. Church history talks about that. We don't know for sure, but yep. it's possible. Maybe it was he was in the Holy of Holies when some of this stuff happened. Yeah, so yeah. Like, it's possible, though, that the high priest uh-huh. is communicated to by Gabriel, and this high priest is told that he will have a son, and this son will be this person. Whoa. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And that son is John the Baptist. Hmm. So John the Baptist is a Levite. Okay. His father might very well be the high priest. Uh-huh. And we are told by the angel Gabriel, a messenger, that he is the person Malachi 4 talked about. Okay. <laughs> we are also told by Jesus twice that John the Baptist is Elijah. Yeah. So what's crazy to me about this little, little journey we're going on is that apart from Jesus, I don't know anybody in the Old Testament that's also prophesied. It's like, I know that Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. The Messiah will come. The Messiah will come. The Messiah will come. Mm-hmm. But I never hear like, and then John will come. Matthew is going to be there too. There's, there's yeah. going to be this accountant named Matthew who, who was a tax collector right. and he's going to write the first gospel. We don't have that, but we do have this character. Yeah. And he's the son of a Levite who dresses just like Elijah, by the way, in camel skin. Oh, right. He wears yeah. camel hair jerseys. That's why he does that. Uh, yeah. He's, to re-embody Elijah. He's Elijah. He's trying to trigger that for everybody's memory. That's right. Uh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Do you have questions for me before I keep going? I'm just trying to hold on to my seat right now because I'm, I'm tracking with you. Yeah. But I don't know why it all matters yet. So God says that he is going to restore his covenant with Levi. Yeah. He's going to make sure that Levi is restored so that it can offer sacrifices to uh, cleanse the world. And this man will make the hearts of fathers and children come back together again. And we can talk about that phrase. In okay. A yeah. Cause I had questions about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we have John the Baptist. Yeah. The prophesied messenger of Malachi comes uh-huh. on the scene. He's born under kind of pretty unusual circumstances. Yes. Oh my gosh. Amazing. And then his ministry starts just like Elijah's ministry starts. So wearing camel hair jerseys uh-huh. out in the wilderness. Interesting. What was his jersey number? <laughs> seven, seven, seven. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the the you have a Levite born possibly to the Levite of Levites, the high priest, mm-hmm. and he's supposed to be this purifying new priest mm-hmm. to make a pure priesthood that says, I'm going to be a purifying fire to the priesthood, and yeah. I'm going to show you guys how to offer real sacrifices, mm-hmm. what the real sacrifice is, the unblemished lamb, the non-maimed. So, Oh, you're getting, you're getting so close. Okay. Okay. But think about some of the other incidentals of John the Baptist story. Okay. He calls out Herod's ancestral relationship with his daughter-in-law. Oh, right. Just Just like like Malachi. Just like Malachi calls out the adultery among the people. And just like all Levites have always had zeal for God's house and purified it from sexual immorality. Right. So that's That's helpful because I was like, man, that's a random bit of information. Right. Okay. We have that. He were also told that he is baptizing people so that they can repent of their sins. Right. What is are the prophets encouraging people to do? To return, to, to repent. To return, to repent to God, right? Yes. That's what he's doing. Right. So and, he's fulfilling the prophets by being the one who's calling people to repentance. That's right. Okay. That's right. That's right. And then he says, but there's another one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mm-hmm. What have we been told about? the person that comes along with the messenger 
in the, the book of Malachi. There would be like a refiner's fire. They'll, that would be like a refiner's fire. We didn't read this part, but another way it describes it in chapter four is that he'll be like this burning sun mm. that will turn to ash those that do not trust in Yahweh, mm. but be like a spring day sun to those that do. So you have this image of like God will come as a fire alongside this messenger. And then John the Baptist seems to be aware of his own position as the messenger and mm. says, there's somebody coming after me who will be like a fire mm. to God's people who will bring like a spring day sun to them. But also, what does he also say in that same moment? You brood of vipers. He's calling out the religious leaders of his day for their faithlessness in he's, the temple. He's doing his own purifying. He's doing his own purifying. So he's being mm. Malachi. Right. He's being a messenger. Yeah. He's being the messenger. He's being the true Levite. The true Levite. Yeah. But here's what's crazy. Uh-huh. When Jesus comes to him for the first time, what does John the Baptist say? He says, behold, the Lamb of, of God. God who takes away so the, the sins, sins of the world. world. And then he says, God, I'm not worthy to untie your sandals. Yeah. I shouldn't even be baptizing you. Yeah. And then Jesus says, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness. All righteousness, yeah. Okay. Okay. Because John the Baptist is about to end the Levitical priesthood. What? He understands that he is the fulfillment of the Levitical priesthood. He is the faithful messenger uh -huh. who's critiquing the religious institutions of his day. Right. Remain faithful to his own. He's a new Elijah. The sacrifice that will take the sins of the world is right in front of him. Mm. And then what does he do with the sacrifice? He kills it. He puts it into a watery grave. Right. And raises it back up for the forgiveness of sins of the whole world. John the Baptist in that moment knows he is the final Levite. He is offering the forgiveness of sins for the entire world. He is doing what all Levites were hoping to have done in their lifetime. To make the final sacrifice. To make, to, yeah, to make, I mean, it's a prefigurement yeah, because yeah, yeah. Jesus isn't on the cross there. Isn't, isn't on the cross there, but he is, putting a man into death. That's what water symbolizes, yep, a putting yep. to death, and then a raising of new life for the forgiveness of sins. Hmm. John the Baptist is the fulfillment of Malachi. He says, I'm doing all this to purify the Levites so that they can fulfill their calling to cleanse the world of its sin. Whoa. And then John the Baptist knows that, and he sacrifices Jesus to do so. Okay. Does that, it, so cool. So many questions. <laughs> so many questions. Okay. Number one, how dare you? No, how dare no, you? no. Number one, what does it mean when Jesus says this is necessary to fulfill all righteousness? Well, I don't know enough to say all of what that means, uh -huh. but I think at least in part what he means, it's to fulfill the role of the priest, the Levitical priestly order. Right, because even Malachi says, like, you will learn how to make offerings in in righteousness yeah it's like you mm -hmm. learn to make righteous offerings again mm -hmm. and so he's like in order for the righteous offering to be made to fulfill mm -hmm. all righteous offerings mm -hmm. levi yep has to offer the sacrifice levi has to offer this sacrifice yes okay uh i think i'm following there help me understand then you said that he, john saw himself as the fulfillment or the end mm -hmm. of the levitical priesthood right i'm not seeing that clearly so one of the things we're told about Jesus is that he's not a Levite. Right. He's from the priestly order of Melchizedek, according mm -hmm. to the book of Hebrews. And we're told that, we're told a whole bunch about that priestly order yes. in the book of Hebrews. So he's from a different priestly order. Mm -hmm. And that's of a different kind in a higher order who's able to offer a more 
fulfilling and satisfying offering for sin. Yeah, a forever offering. A forever offering for sin. That means one priestly order has to actually give way to the other. If there is a priestly order that's better, Mm -hmm. one priestly order has to stop functioning. Right. It should do so in recognition of the superior priestly order priestly order yeah this is a lot of what like hebrews is arguing right yep so john the baptist sees that's what's happening he knows he's a priest oh in the tribe of Levi. is that why he says i must decrease uh, he must increase uh. the priestly order is coming to an end he is the sacrifice that will take away the sins of the world he is the final priest who will mediate that sacrifice on the cross but i will fulfill my priestly role the covenant god made with my ancestor levi i will offer this final sacrifice to take away the sins of the world and give him his ministry okay. as the final priest. I think there's two things I'm hearing there yeah. that, that makes me believe you, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that John actually saw himself as the end of the Levitical priesthood. One is this was a forever covenant yeah, and it had a purpose. Mm-hmm. And in me offering the one sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world, I'm putting myself out of a job. Right. Like, no more, yeah, 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 this, yeah, that's exactly right. Like, no more need to do sacrifices. That's right. Because this is the one lamb that takes away the sins of the world. We don't need more. We don't need it for different countries. We don't need it for different places, different times. This is it. Levitical job done. Yeah. And that's why he says then, which is my second point, I must decrease, he must increase, is not, and I'm not, we don't need a bad mouth, like how that's been taken out of context, you know, well, it's it, like, but it's not about like, oh, I need to make much of God and less of myself. He's not simply being humble. Right. He is being he humble. He's being humble. But the real thing that's happening there yes. is he's saying like the priestly line of Levi must decrease mm-hmm. and what, whoever this new sacrificial lamb is mm-hmm. must increase. That's right. This that new there's priestly. a changing of the guard. That's right. That's right. Okay. Third question. Okay. <laughs> is what on earth does this have to do with the problem of evil? Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> you made a promise to me that John the Baptist solves the problem of evil. And I'm waiting for you to make good on that promise. Yes. Go back with me uh, to chapter 3 for a second. Okay. I will send a messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and I will come to my temple, and who can stand on that day? Mm-hmm. So John the Baptist and Jesus have this moment. And then what does Jesus do? He goes to the temple, not chronologically immediately afterwards Mm -hmm. but eventually he does does. and what does he do he cleanses the temple Mm -hmm. of the those people who are taking advantage of god's flock the corrupt priest the corrupt priest of levi no less there's only one good priest in levi that's john the baptist Mm. all the other ones right now are taking advantage of god's people right and then after that what does he say the whole temple is going to come down right yeah he he prophesies that the whole thing is over and even says moment. who will stand on that day. He's like, but, woe to woe to those who right. are there's, there. Yeah. So Jesus is living out the corruption, like the end of the corrupt line of Levi. Okay. So the answer, the, the beginnings of an answer uh-huh. to the problems of evil, is that God has proven Himself as a God who comes and judges those right who take advantage of the faithful. Right, because the the complaint was God doesn't do these things do justice against evil that's right that was the complaint that, that was, was wearing God out mm-hmm. is God you don't you don't care when people do evil you don't do anything about mm-hmm. it that's right in fact you just bless people that's right and he, so what you're saying is the reason John the Baptist in a sense solves the problem that they're complaining about is he shows the world mm-hmm. the man God yes who will come into the temple 
and judge evil. God yeah. does judge evil. Mm-hmm. The the twist of the knife is it's not out there. The evil's not them. Yeah, that's right. It's you. By asking these questions, you're proving you're the evil ones. Right. And God, who can stand on that day? Yeah. You ask for God of justice. You right. got him in Jesus. He's flipping over all your tables. And the crazy thing is then that after Jesus does this, though, people are able to stand. Mm-hmm. Like, right. But it's the blind and the lame. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's it's the oh man yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, it's that the crazy? types of the types of sacrifices. Like you had whole people, healthy people offering blemished blind sacrifices, yeah. and the people are judged for their bad sacrifices. Right. But you had blind people offering the good sacrifice of faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. and they're actually able to come to him at yeah. the temple after he cleanses it. Yeah. That's thought, an interesting reversal of Malachi. I thought th- I thought about that too. I was like, that's really interesting. Like the blind, the lame, and the crippled. Yeah. Is that that same category of three people that's mentioned here in Malachi is picked up in the Gospels? Yeah. As the types of people Jesus heals? Yeah. Like, interesting. Yeah, because it's good news. It's like, in, in a sense, God does say that he, he does bring blessings on both the good and the evil. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes it rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Right. Um. And and people are slandering him for that. Yeah. And he's saying, you know what? Watch, I'm going to come. I'll show you that I judge wickedness, mm-hmm. but it's your religious wickedness. It's the wickedness that doesn't actually trust me. And then he says, and now let me show you that I also can, you know, bring yeah. my provision mm-hmm. to those that you think are like, don't deserve it. The people you've been complaining about that I show kindness to, yeah. let me show kindness to them. And yeah. it's the outcasts, those who wouldn't. Yeah. Those those who weren't purged. Right. Yeah. This is not a full solution to the problem of evil, but right. it's but it's like it's the Bibles in this moment. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. We have a God who enters into the evil of our world and judges it. And judges it. Right. In human history, that temple no longer stands right. because God judged it. Yes. And then I think you can escalate this argument. So Jesus not just historically as an incarnate man or God as an incarnate man judged a human institution. He did that. But on the cross, as a new priest mm-hmm. from the order of Melchizedek, Levi had Levi's last priest died in John the Baptist. He judges all evil, but in himself. Mm-hmm. He offers himself as a sacrifice for the evil of the world. Right. And in that moment, judges all evil. And if God does not spare his own son or even himself, from the judgment of evil, won't he most necessarily judge evil in the end? Yeah. Like if God himself is willing to judge himself in order to prove his commitment to judging evil, mm-hmm. won't he in the future, in fact, judge evil? Right. That's the other way to talk about yes. the problem of evil is solved than Jesus. Right. Because the death of Jesus proves that God holds even his own son accountable for sins that weren't his fault. Right. He'll definitely hold the world accountable That's for their right. evil. Because the question that the people of Israel ask that is wearing God out at the end of chapter two is where is the God of justice? Yeah. And he says, he's right here in Jesus Mm -hmm. and he's judging the wicked. Mm -hmm. But what does the God of justice do when he judges the wicked? He becomes their judgment for them. Mm -hmm. That's how God deals with the problem of evil. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. That is super cool. Right? What else is in your head with Malachi? Um, well, we forgot the whole section about tithing. 
Oh, we, I mean, we didn't forget about it. We just skipped over it to talk about the John the Baptist okay, stuff. Yes. But there's this fairly long section about how the people of God aren't bringing 10% of their income mm. to facilitate the repair of the temple in part because the idea is, well, what's God done for us lately? Right. Why should we be giving him 10% of our income in order to rebuild a temple? That's not giving us the return on investment God said it would. Right. So that's the logic that's happening there. God just says, no, no, no. If you bring your tithe in, if you bring me offerings, mm-hmm. I will bless you. And, right. it's, and it's an invitation to faithfulness. It's an right. Invi- and that's, again, back to the idea that we talked about, was it in Zechariah, where it's like, focus on rebuilding the temple, yeah, and the magic will come back. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'll bless I will, you. I will live in the land, and I will bless you. So mm-hmm. if you actually commit your resources to rebuilding the house of God instead of building up your own houses, right. I will come, and I will bless you, and you yeah. will flourish in the land. Because right. that's the covenant. Right, and think about this as an analog to intermarriage. Mm. So the point of marrying a woman who worships a foreign god is to gain the land of that woman yeah. to or that, that woman's ancestral land that's owned by another foreign god, and you would add this woman and her fealty to her god to your own, and you would kind of hedge your bets. Yep. You have Yahweh on your side, the Babylonian god on the other, and you would be more successful in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The logic here is like, I could use that 10% better than God can. Ten, ah, right. uh, that 10% income means a lot to me. Actually, I could buy more groceries for my kids with right. that 10% hedge, income. Hedge my bets. I could hedge my bets in this way. Yeah. I don't need to trust God when this 10% could provide me for all I know I need right now. Mm-hmm. But the argument here is no, like that actually brings about diminishing returns. You think by saving 10%, you're gaining 10%, but right. you're losing all the blessings all I want to bring you. The 100% I gave you in the first place. Yeah. All of the money you have is mine. Yes. I'm asking for 10%, but if you don't give it to me, I can't give you anything, yeah. right? You know, that's the logic that's happening. That's right pretty there. cool. Which, yeah, is consistent with everything else he's saying. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, that's cool. Fathers' hearts returning to their children? Oh, right. Yeah. What is going on there? I puzzled over this one for a long time, and I thought it was such a a strange way to end the book of Malachi. Mm. We've said a few different times that the book of Malachi functions as a summary of and then conclusion of the Mm. Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, and the prophetic literature, which Mm. is 17 books of the Bible. Mm. And it summarizes the Torah this way, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him at Sinai for all of Israel. So what's the Torah? Remember the law. Do what God said. God loves you. I chose you. Do what he said. Yeah. So that's that's the summary of the law. Yeah. The summary of the prophets is that I'm sending an Elijah Mm -hmm. who will return the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. Yeah. And I was surprised by that summary of the prophetic literature. One, probably because I'm not as familiar with the prophetic literature as I am of the Torah. But I'm also surprised by the fact that Luke brings it up when Gabriel Mm -hmm. speaks to Zechariah and says, your son will return the father's hearts to their children and the children's hearts to their father. So I've been puzzling over this one, and I've got two answers that I want you to explore with me. Okay, go for it. One idea is that the heart of the father is of God. Yes, right. So... Multiple times throughout this book, God considers himself a father. Right, like in the uh, second argument. Yeah, a son honors his father. And if I'm your father, shouldn't you honor me? Right. And then he also says, are we not all of one father? Has not God created all of us? The problem I have with that is that 
God's heart hasn't changed towards, towards his people. Mm-hmm. He's loved them this whole time. Right. Consistently loved them despite their disobedience. But when Jesus steps on the scene, that does signal a change of God's heart. 400 years of divine silence oh, sure. has happened after the book of Malachi. Yeah. God is going to escalate his plans to forgive his people's sins by sending himself in the form of his son mm. to die on behalf of their sins. There is a sense in which God's heart is changing towards his children. He wants to offer the final sacrifice mm. for sins for the whole world, and it's time for it to happen yeah. now. And it's not uncommon even for like the psalmist talk about God turning his face from us and turning it yep. back to us. Mm-hmm. Like God can turn his face from us and be crying. Yep. Right. You know, yeah. and then yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not that he stopped loving, but he did turn off the valve of blessing. Yes, that's right. And so it's like, well, now it's back. And now it's back. Yeah. Right. And then the children's heart to their father is, is kind of obvious. Yes. In Jesus, our hearts will like go back yes. to him and like we'll remember that, that he God's loves love for, yeah. for us and we will go to him. So that's one way to understand Okay, what's it. the other one? The other way to think about it is the reason why God's covenant failed hmm. was because of a miscommunication between one generation and the next. Okay. What was the Shema? Yeah. Hero Israel, Lord is one, and then you're supposed to teach these things to your children, right? Yeah. And the failure of the parents' generation to teach the laws faithfully to their children could be summed up, could be a decent summary of the failure of God's people throughout time. David did not teach all of his sons to follow God faithfully. Right. Solomon did not do the same either. There seems to always be a generational gap mm. in faithfulness between one generation and the next. Think about the wilderness wandering. Right. One nation went out of Egypt. The next generation would not go in. So there was another faithful generation, but the next generation got lost in Canaan. Yep. So like, there's a generational gap that happens. And think about just the historical situation if you have a father who doesn't really believe in god anymore Mm -hmm. divorced his wife got involved or has an adulterous affair with a canaanite woman to like hedge his bets uh, but then he tries to be faithful again yeah imagine what that does for the children i'm not going to follow my dad's religion because he was faithless yeah i don't care if he's following the true god anymore when he followed the true god he divorced mom right i'm not so it's there's all there's like this situational thing where there's a resentment on the parts of children to follow the faith of their parents Mm. and there's an inability in parents to pass on that faith to their children yeah the messenger will come to resolve that problem he'll come and make spiritual lineage more possible for the people of god he'll like protect covenant families and the spiritual lineage happening between people Mm. and that one's not quite as clear to me as like a theological category that i have right but i do think it's correct i mean part of who god revealed himself to be at mount sinai was one who showed covenant love to a thousand generations yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, like part of the blessing at mount sinai was that the generations of the people of israel would be blessed that's right that's right And so there is this idea that cool you solve it for one generation but who cares right it's got to continue to cascade down and the reason why christians can have hope that our faith will pass down through the next generation is because god's faithfulness passed to his son's generation oh the father to the son the father to the son there is a faithfulness Uh, between god's will and his son's actions yes that we never saw in israel's Mm -hmm. history and that spirit that made that unity between the god's will and the son's actions Mm. 
that spiritual lineage live up is the same spirit that lives in us. Right. There is a 1,000 year, you know, which Uh is eternal, pouring out of covenant love from the Father's heart to the Son's heart, right? From Father God Mm -hmm. to Son Jesus. Mm -hmm. And there's a eternal pouring out of the Son Jesus's love to the Father in his heart. So the heart of God to the heart of Jesus are pouring out towards each other. Not that they were ever not towards each other, but like what you're saying is like there is that pouring out of covenant love from the Father to the Son and God and Jesus mm-hmm. that we get to participate in mm-hmm. because the same spirit that's communicating that divine covenant love is now in us yes, and in our children when we teach them the gospel. yes, And so Jesus is facilitating the continuing of that covenantal mm-hmm. blessing through generations yeah. instead and, of just us. Yeah, and empowering it. Not right. just yes. facilitating it, but his spirit makes actually it possible. makes it possible. How right. did... How did Jesus obey? By reliance on the Holy Spirit. Yep. That's how he remained faithful to the spiritual lineage legacy of his father. And that's how we, our spiritual generations, will do the mm. same. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Malachi was the dark horse of the minor prophets. <laughs> I was not expecting John the Baptist to show up in such a big way. Right. But also how significant John, like John the Baptist's significance in my mind has gone up like oh, totally. a ton. Yeah. I did not realize him as the final Levitical priest. And when I think about the Levitical priesthood, this is going to be the nerdy conversation for those of you still sticking around. (laughs) But like when I think about the Levitical priesthood and the order of Melchizedek that Uh happens in the book of Hebrews, the reason why the Levitical priesthood fails is because Jesus is just a better priest. Oh, right. He's of a different kind, of a different order, offering better sacrifices eternally. He's just a better priest. You'd want the Melchizedek priest, right? Right. That's the only way I've ever thought of it. And that is a legitimate way to think about sure. it. And that's the way that the author of Hebrews wants you to One think about it. One supersedes the other. It's and, better. And I think that's because the author of Hebrews is addressing an audience who's tempted to go back to Judaism. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. It's like, you could go back to trusting the Levitical but priesthood, better. but this one's better. Yeah. The really interesting thing that's happening on like a that, covenant level. That Luke and Malachi are doing. Is that, no, the Levitical priesthood was created for, for a purpose to prepare God's people to be cleansed from their sin uh-huh. by a final sacrifice offered by the Messiah. Right. And so John the Baptist can actually fulfill the Levitical priesthood. It doesn't just get superseded. No, it's it, fulfilled. It's, it's, it's completed. Point. It's completed. It's like what it was meant to do happened when John the Baptist walked in the scene. That's right. Yeah. And Job that's done. the new thing that I was not expecting. Yeah. That was a, a development of my understanding of the Levitical priesthood and even fulfillment yeah. that I wasn't expecting. There's a cool thing there too with the word messenger, right? Like Malachi means messenger and then mm-hmm. another messenger is coming. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the final messenger is bringing the fulfillment of, of the Levitical priesthood. And what is the fulfillment of it? It's a message, yeah. which is behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, which means that if that's what the final Levite did, Right, pointing to one final sacrifice right. for the sins of the world. That's what all the Levitical priests did. That's that right. the very sacrificial system itself, facilitated by the Levites, was always and forever meant to point to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. It's always been about making a message, a Malachi, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To the yep. to the rest of the world is that these sacrifices that we make of of unblemished animals is all pointing to this one moment when Jesus is baptized by the final messenger of in the line of Levi at the Jordan River. Yeah. That's cool. That's the book of Malachi. That's Malachi. That's... <laughs>
You were waiting <laughs> well, to the very two end. whole episodes. <laughs> David's been making the joke of just saying Malachi instead of Malachi around the office, around the the whole office time. and I've refused to acknowledge it. <laughs> I had to get it in one until time. this moment. <laughs> well, that is the the Book of Malachi. Thank you for for walking through that with us, Seth. That's awesome, and thank you guys for listening. It's been awesome. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.